Hello and welcome to the New Arab Voices News Digest. I am your host, Daniel Hijaji, and we are launching a series of short-form audio episodes to cover the most pressing issues at hand, from news roundups to a more in-depth lens on major events. Our News Digest will run in parallel with our bi-weekly long-form show, so be sure to tune in every Friday. This week, we tackle the aftermath of the massive explosion that shook Lebanon's capital Beirut on August 4. <laughs> The cataclysmic blast at Beirut's port claimed the lives of at least 171 people and injured around 6,500 others. About half the city was left damaged or destroyed. As the explosion sank Beirut even further into the depths of Lebanon's economic crisis, few will be able to afford to repair or rebuild their homes. Lebanese authorities say the blast was triggered by a fire that broke out in a port warehouse where a huge pile of ammonium nitrate was stored. 2,750 metric tons of the chemical, which is used in fertilizer and explosives, was left unsecured in Beirut's port for six years. On multiple occasions, authorities from various agencies raised alarm over the dangerous stockpile. And according to documents seen by the New Arab's Arabic edition this week, Lebanon's government was warned about the stored chemical's destructive potential as recently as last month. While it is not known what started the fire that set off the blast, Critics say the disaster could not have happened without the corruption and incompetence that have come to define Lebanon's ruling class. The tragedy has revived anger at a political elite that lives in luxury, while millions endure job losses, deepening poverty, power blackouts, and mountains of garbage piling up on the streets. Thousands of grieving Lebanese soon took to Beirut's streets to demand their government's resignation. Demonstrators were met with tear gas and rubber bullets from police. This week, Lebanese Prime Minister Hassan Diab announced the resignation of his government. While he blamed political corruption for the disaster, Diab stopped short of accepting any responsibility himself. On his end, President Michel Aoun rejected an independent international probe into the explosion. And on Thursday, Lebanon's parliament approved sweeping powers for the Lebanese army, raising fears for freedom of expression and assembly in the country. With the absence of a proactive government, Beirut's residents assembled task forces to care for each other and rebuild their city. And as the world mourned with Lebanon, donations poured in for NGOs engaging in direct relief efforts on the ground. One of them is London-based Impact Lebanon, a little-known organization that has quickly mobilized to lead the overseas appeal for aid to Beirut. Minutes after the blast, Impact Lebanon set up a fundraiser on crowdfunding platform Just Giving for NGOs on the ground. The fundraiser went viral across social media networks and ended up raising nearly 5 million pounds in a single day. According to Impact Lebanon co-founder Diana Abbas, the organization felt a responsibility to take action amid the initial confusion of the devastating explosion. We're so used to stepping in and doing something, and so we thought, how can we help? So we thought to start a fundraiser, and we really did assess that we weren't sure yet where the money was going to go because it was just so fresh. It had just happened. People were still sharing videos and asking what exactly happened. So it was difficult to decide on an NGO right then and there. But at the same time, we thought this is an urgent, urgent need, and maybe we can rely on our track record of fundraising for trusted NGOs and being completely transparent about it and sharing all the details of how the funds were made and how the NGOs were selected. As Impact Lebanon's platform swelled, so did its sense of responsibility. The organization has heavily prioritized communications, vetting, 
and in the midst of a worsening economic crisis, getting the entirety of the donated funds to the NGOs that need them most. So we have different teams working on different areas. So some teams are working on the communications, especially with a growing audience and a large amount of money. Basically how we communicate to our audience how the money is being spent and what our plans are and focusing on being completely transparent with our audience and answering all their questions. There's another team that's focused on vetting the NGOs and we're doing this in partnership with an organization called 3QA, which is a quality assurance organization in Lebanon that monitors the third sector, the NGO sector. And then there's a third team that is focused on making sure how we transfer the money in a very clear way and transparent way with a clear audit trail and making sure that we're sending the money in a way that's most effective for the particular NGO. So we're communicating with them on that, on how they want to receive money. We're partnering with a few organizations that have a bank account in the UK and in Lebanon who can help us quickly donate the money. And given the banking restrictions, for the most part, these funds will be transferred to a fresh dollar account, either one of our partners' fresh dollar account in Lebanon, so they'll transfer the money from here to there, or to the directly to the fresh dollar account of the NGOs. We're also talking and making sure with the banks, trying to get assurances that they'll be able to withdraw the money. Impact Lebanon says it has implemented a comprehensive process for vetting NGOs and identifying priority areas for assistance in the wake of the blast in Beirut. We, de- we decided that our priorities now are to focus on three areas, which are healthcare, food, and shelter provision. So based on these priorities, we go through a list of NGOs and have the NGOs that reach to us, and we qualify these NGOs. And what we mean by qualifying them is, one, we make sure they are a registered local NGO in Lebanon, two, that they are apolitical and non-sectarian, three, that they have ongoing or planned initiatives or projects that address the ongoing crisis related to the Beirut explosions, and checking if they previously passed an audit test, and then we evaluate their proposals. So the proposals are to understand from them, even briefly, what's the problem that they're tackling and how urgent is it, the scale of the initiative, so the number of people who are impacted by their fundraising or by their initiative and how many people can be helped, the geographical diversity weighted by level of damage, so making sure that we cover all areas of Beirut that were damaged, but of course, areas that are more damaged get a priority, and of course, alignment with our priorities and our values. So, so far, we've allocated $130,000 to the Lebanese Red Cross. The second NGO is Arconciel, and we'll be donating $200,000 to them, and the third is Betel Baraka, and will be donating $160,000 to them. We have two NGOs still in the pipeline that are pending documentation, and then we're vetting currently over 20 NGOs. Impact Lebanon started off as an informal WhatsApp group for Lebanese people visiting London. The group eventually evolved to organizing demonstrations in the UK in support of the anti-government protests that swept Lebanon last October. Today, it has funneled millions of pounds into local efforts to patch up Beirut following the devastating explosion. We started the Just Giving page with a target of £10,000. Once we exceeded it in, I think, minutes, honestly, then we raised it to £50,000, then £100,000, and then finally we raised it to 500000 and then a million, and then I think once we hit $3 million, we thought, okay, can we raise $5 million? And honestly, every time we raise our target, we think, okay, we're not going to reach this. It's really, really so, so overwhelming because of the people who have shared, the support that has been showed. First of all, it started with Friends of Impact Lebanon that we already have, and then it moved to Lebanese influencers. And then it became international celebrities, which was crazy to see them sharing our Impact Lebanon Fund and going to see that our fundraiser is on their Instagram profiles. And then international media, we did a few interviews. It's just 
absolutely overwhelming and humbling. And basically what it reflects is that we had said that we promise we'll update you with information and still people had showed such trust in us. And it really validated how we've been working so far with building real relationships and partnerships with people. And we're working really hard to make sure our vetting of the NGOs is super clear and that we're able to, with confidence, say that when we spend this money and send it to this NGO, it will be spent wisely and effectively. So it's a huge responsibility. It's very stressful, but it's also very refreshing and it gives us so much hope. And if you just see the team, like we haven't slept for days since then, like we've just been working through nights. It's been just such an amazing energy, such a huge team effort. And just to see the dedication and the support we've been receiving has really kept us going and made us feel like we really can make an impact. So it honestly is surreal. At the time of this episode's release, Impact Lebanon has already exceeded £5 million in donations on its fundraiser for Beirut. The organization has since raised its target to £7.5 million. Should our listeners want to make a donation, they can find the fundraiser on the websites of Impact Lebanon and Just Giving. To read the New Arab's full profile of Impact Lebanon, visit the link we have included in our episode's description. Thank you for listening to the New Arab Voices News Digest. This episode was hosted and produced by myself, Daniel Hijaji, and researched by Narja Satat. Don't forget to follow the New Arab on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll see you next week.